Welcome back to the Andrew Ramon Show. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in with me. If you're listening, thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube and everything, thank you so much for your support. And I want to welcome everybody. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, to this show, I just want to, hey, thanks. I want to thank you for, for giving it a try. Hopefully, you you find something not only informative, but inspiring and uh, some, some revelation. So, uh, my hope is always whatever we talk about, whether it be about faith or it be about politics or it be about money and relationships, whatever the case is, is that you finish listening to each episode and you're, you can have something to apply that day and that you can, you can leave better than how you started listening to it. And today, folks, I promise I was going to do better with my drink. So for those that don't know, I have a collection of mugs. If you're just listening, you probably don't. You obviously can't tell, but I have a whole collection of mugs that I'm almost running out. So I really have to uh, start buying some more because these episodes are racking up. But in the last couple of episodes, I have tried to be a tea person. I really have tried. I mean, you are witnesses. I have I have tried to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put a tea bag. The first time I ended up not actually putting a tea bag in some type of uh, like spice it wasn't. It wasn't really a tea because it tasted like hot water. Uh, that was one episode. Then the, the different one, I tried a black tea, but I left the bag a little too long, so it was super strong. And I'm gonna say a no to that. Well, this time, folks, I went with a little bit more. Um, should I say a little bit more holiday cheer? Oh man, that hot chocolate! Hot chocolate really does the job. Look, I gave up on the tea for now. For now, I definitely can tell you this hot chocolate. Oh my gosh! Okay, I gotta stop. I gotta stop because this is really good. By the way, my mom just bought this hot chocolate, and I'm showing off another mug from Colorado. So this one I bought in the Breckenridge about maybe two years ago. The first time I went to Breckenridge, which by the way, that's such an awesome place. If you like to ski or snowboard, or even just the town itself, it has there's this wing place. Oh my god! There's a wing place that is it's is delicious. Okay, so I'm just gonna say if you're ever in Colorado and you're going to Breckenridge, stop by Old Tavern or something like that. Okay, I'm loaded up for today's episode. Hey, I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. If you're watching this when it comes out, this is after Christmas, so I hope you guys had a great time celebrating with your family, celebrating the true meaning of Christmas, which is obviously. Um, the birth of our Lord Jesus. And today, I-, I wanted to kind of stay in the theme of the holiday, stay in the theme that we're celebrating, because I, I titled to this episode, um, Make Room for the Savior. And this, we're going to kind of uh, go over a little bit of the Christmas story that we've been celebrating this whole month. And, and just in the very first moments of of the journey of in the Christmas story. And we're going to talk about um, one detail in Luke chapter 2 that I don't think a lot of people have noticed. And uh, I think you're going to find that very, very interesting and something that we can apply each of us to our own lives. So um, again, thank you so much for, for, for tuning in. Let's get right to it. it so Luke chapter 2 starts us off with a journey. By this time, Mary, the angel Gabriel, has already appeared to Mary, told her, hey, you're going to bear the, the Savior of the world. And she's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I'm a virgin. And then she said, hey, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will take care of that. And then she goes up to Joseph, and Joseph's like, uh-huh, you a virgin? Mm-hmm. You pregnant? Nah, I don't believe that stuff. 
And but then an angel appeared to Joseph. So they're like, okay, oh cool, oh cool. We believe you. So by that time, uh, Mary's really pregnant. We pick up in Luke chapter two, and this is what it says, starting in verse one. It says this: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. So those days, the, time, the times of Jesus, Jesus, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So this just tells us that this was not a small decree. It wasn't just a very uh, tiny, you know, local decree. It, it explains why later, as we will see, there was no room in Bethlehem for Joseph and Mary. We all kind of know that story, right? Well, I want to continue because we're going to focus on, on a detail here. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Here, here's this verse. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. So let me um, let me translate this a little bit. When Mary was expecting a child, that means she was real pregnant. Like she's about to pop. That's all I'm saying. And, and I, I kind of looked it up. I studied it a little bit. You know, a lot of us just read this story as if it was, oh, such an easy journey for Mary and Joseph to take and on a donkey. But, you know, scholars do debate on the exact route that Mary and Joseph would have would have taken um, in their journey or that they took. Um, but one thing is for sure. It was about seven days. OK, so you try being real pregnant sitting on the donkey for seven days. I, I don't know you guys, but I don't think it would have been easy for Mary, a really pregnant woman. To, be, to, to take a seven-day trip on a donkey. Nor do I think it would have been easy for a man to take a seven-day trip with a pregnant lady sitting on the, on the donkey. I'm just saying, you, you got to give props to Mary and to the husband, or to the soon-to-be husband, Joseph, because I'm sure they had their conversations, man. I'm sure that midway during... During the trip, you know, day four, with all the emotion of Mary saying, oh my gosh, Joseph, this is amazing. You know, this is, oh, this is our first family trip, and baby Jesus is about to be born. It was so exciting. Day four, that probably fades away, that emotion. And she's, you know, she's having one of her cravings, and she's like, um, hey, Joseph? I don't know if she talks like that, so please don't get offended. I, I just imagine. Um, maybe she's British. I don't know. But she's like, yeah, hey, Joseph, uh, did you bring my pickle chips? You know, I can see Joseph just say, um, honey, you're, you're what? I'm sorry. You know, my pickle chips, the one that I sat on the kitchen counter before we left. And I said, don't forget these chips. Yeah, those chips. Did you bring him? And obviously we know Joseph is a dude. So of course he didn't bring him. And, and then, and then we continue. Look chapter six, uh, chapter two, verse six. While they were there, that means Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because what? There was no guest room available for them. Again, I don't think that a manger was Mary's first choice. Like she said, Oh, you know what's going to look great in, in, on Instagram? Um, let's see, in the barn. Actually, people kind of would like that now, right? They'd see like, oh my gosh, this is old Magnolia. It's amazing. But I, I don't think for Mary, it would have been great next to the cow manure. Okay. I, I don't think so personally. Um, but I can, I can already kind of force, I can see the conversations that Mary and Joseph had, like after they found out that there, there was no room in the hotel, they're like, um, hey, honey, baby, Joseph, you didn't book the room before we, 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 we left on our trip. 
just like, hey, baby, I, I just I just didn't think it was going to get sold out, you know, and at that time, okay, then there goes Joseph pulls out his iPad. So I don't know if they had iPads, probably not. And then he starts looking, hey, you know what? We can check some Airbnbs. Well, let's check it out. And then, okay, well, this one's great. Five stars sold out. Um, hey, baby, how, this one looks interesting. Um, it's 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 a um, it doesn't have reviews or pictures, but it says exotic and rustic charm. Ooh, wow, sounds amazing. Ooh, magnolia vibes. Okay, okay, that's pretty good. And and that's how we know Jesus was born. I gotta, I gotta give props to Mary and Joseph for that journey because I'm not, I'm not sure it would have been easy. But there's this detail here that you have probably heard everything I just said. But there's a little detail here that I want to focus on. That's at the end of verse seven. It says that she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because what? There was no guest room available for them. Have you ever thought about why there wasn't guest room available for them? I mean, this is a this is a savior of the world we're talking about, right? Like this is Jesus. I mean, how 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 didn't those places like have room for Jesus, right? I mean, if it was me and the King of Kings is coming to my home, I'm like kicking anybody out that I need to, and you're, you know, you sleeping in the street, but Jesus is gonna sleep here. Um, but they didn't have room for him. They didn't make room for him. And I think that there's two reasons they didn't make room. One is because they were already full. So obviously it's not like they had an open space and just like, just, you know, rejected him and denied him service. No, no, it's just they were too full. The second reason though, is that they didn't recognize him for who he was. And I'm going somewhere here. So, so, so don't, don't lose track of me. They didn't recognize him because if they would have recognized him as the savior of the world, I'm pretty sure they would have made room. They would have prioritized him. And I'm not giving you right now just a historical insight in, in the story. Um, it's gonna get it's gonna get personal real quick. So you ready for this? We're just gonna we're just gonna go deep in about five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Every Christmas, every holiday season like this, it, it's a chance for us to receive the message of Jesus, to receive the hope and the grace that is in the kingdom of God. But a lot of times, like the ends that were too full to receive Jesus, sometimes we ourselves don't make room for the Savior. Now, I think there's two reasons for that. Similar to the hotels in the night of Bethlehem, they were too full and they didn't recognize them. So in today's episode, as we continue, I want you to kind of pay attention because we're going to talk about what are the ways that we don't make room for the Savior in our lives? You might be thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I make room. Or maybe you're listening. You're like, well, I don't really consider myself a Christian. I'm kind of just looking into the, this whole Christian stuff. Or you might not even consider yourself anything. That's that's totally fine. You might consider yourself an, a nun, meaning N-O-N-E. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. But I, I want to talk about the two ways that um, that we don't make room or why we don't make room for him. So I want to ask yourself this question. Is there, first of all, room in your heart? Because a lot of times, like the first thing is that our hearts are too full to receive what God wants to give us in, in this message of Christmas. And what, what can so much, so many times fill our hearts are the worries of this life. I mean, 2020 has given us an endless amount of things that want to book a room in your heart. 
Let's be honest. All the worries that we have, whether we're going to get COVID or whether someone got COVID, are they going to be okay? Um, are, am I going to have to study online or in person? Am I going to get sick if I go in person? Where am I going to work? Now I got fired. Now I have to figure out about school. Can I visit my grandparents? I mean, there's so many things. Um, the elections uh, that already happened, all these things. I mean, there's so many things that maybe in your mind you're, you're kind of freaking out about. And those things can fill up your heart and not give room for us to not only receive Jesus as our Savior, but also prioritize His presence. But And it's not only the worries of life. Sometimes it can be the very good things of life, like family or friends or celebrations. Those are great when prioritized correctly. But when they're not prioritized correctly, even the good things can take the place of the Savior. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus spoke of this whenever he spoke about the parable of the sower. And he talked about how the seed that the sower you know, threw in different types of ground represented the message of the kingdom of God, meaning the message of Jesus, right? The message that we share hopefully every day and not just in Christmas. Well, Matthew 13, 22, he, he talks about different grounds, aka hearts that receive that message or different grounds that receive those seeds. In one of those, he said this, and uh, chapter 13 of, of Matthew, verse 22, he said, The seed, meaning the message, falling among the thorns, refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life, in the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Man, isn't that so powerful? See, it's not necessarily sin or this terrible thing that makes the word unfruitful. It is the worries of life. And the deceitfulness of wealth. You see, we, we, you can maybe apply yourself, yourself to this verse. It says that refers to someone who hears the word. So that's you and me. We're hearing the word when we hear the word of God and, and we hear someone preaching on the word of God. Awesome. Okay. We hear the word, but then the worries of life. Have, did you feel like sometime this year, maybe you allowed the worries of life to kind of choke up the power of the word in your life? I mean, you started January saying, yes, vision 2020. It's going to be amazing. Perfect vision. Then by June, you lost your, by June, all the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choked up, choked up the power of the word in your life. Did you feel that way? I know sometimes I felt that way as well. So we see that it's not only the worries of life that can choke it up, but also it can be the good things in life that can choke choke it up. So we have to be intentional about making room. What making room is that if you're too full, you got to kick some stuff out. I think all those fears and that negativity and that depression, you got to start, you got to start kicking it out and maybe put an eviction notice on your mental real estate and say, Hey, you know what? You can't, you can't live here because I need room for the savior. You know, the second reason that we're going to talk about is why they didn't make room for him is that they didn't recognize him. And here I want you to pay attention because a lot of times when we talk about making room for the Savior, we think that Christmas or something like this show is nearly all about a salvation message, which is obviously part of it. But it can happen that if you're already saved and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all you think about in this episode is, oh my gosh, my neighbor really needs to hear this. Oh, my friend, I have to send this to my friend, which is great. But a lot of times we can kind of um, not apply it on ourselves because we're, we're thinking, oh, I'm already saved. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. But in this part that they don't recognize them, I think that even applies to us. Because I want to talk to you about some character traits 
of, of God and who he is, that if you recognize him, you will start making daily room for him. One of those things is that he is Emmanuel. When I say Emmanuel, that in the Bible means God is with us. Now, there's something powerful about God being with us and God among us. That means that God is with us every day. And Jesus showed us because when he left and he went up to heaven, he said, I do not leave you as orphans, right? But I will be with you always. And we know the Holy Spirit is with us. But when the Bible says God is among us, that means that he's with us not only on Christmas, not only when we celebrate his birth, not only on Easter, not only on Sundays, he is with us every day. That means that we don't only make room for him on Sundays. We don't only make room for him during Christmas. We don't only make room for him on Wednesday night youth groups. We don't only make room for him one time of year, but we make room for him every day because he is among us. He is still with us. He didn't just come visit us and then leave. He is God Emmanuel with us. And there's another reason that we should be hopeful. And whenever we recognize him as Emmanuel, it's a good thing. Because a lot of times we think that God, and we see this in other uh, religious stories and, and other uh, other stories, is that the God really is, is meant for royalty. Or, you know, and throughout church history, a lot of people have tried to do that, right? They've had to separate God from the people. And either by not translating the Bible or by kind of putting some type of hierarchy, like the priest is way more connected to you than God you know, to to God than you. And, and whatever the case is, but God is among us means he's among you and me, no matter what type of position we have in life. If you're a pastor or you're just someone who goes to church, if you still haven't gone to church, but you want to get to know God, you know, God is among us even then. Hey, God is not afraid of visiting you. God is not afraid of being with you, even if your life is a mess. He actually wants to transform that. God is not afraid of dirty places, guys. He was born in a manger. That, if anything, shows us that he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty when it comes to cleaning our lives. So we have to recognize him as God, Emmanuel, but also recognize him as King of Kings. Because when we recognize him as King of Kings, we can recognize the power and the authority that he has. There are so many people, so many philosophies, so many thoughts, so many worries, so many whatever you call it, that are lining up at your end, meaning your heart, says, hey, give us room in your heart. Give us room in your mind. And Jesus might seem like, I mean, think about it. The inn, the innkeepers back in Bethlehem, I'm sure that Mary and Joseph and Jesus seem like every other couple with a baby that they had seen just a couple hours ago that booked up their inn. Most likely, right? They didn't see anything different. And a lot of times what can happen with the message of Jesus, especially in such a pluralistic society that we live in, that always are the right ways or everyone has their truth and all that bullcrap. Okay, excuse my French. All that stuff that we can kind of think about the message of Jesus as just another message. Just, okay, maybe that's your way to finding peace and finding joy. Wow, that's amazing. I hope that you found your way and your path. But we have to remember that God, that Jesus is king of kings, meaning he has all authority above everyone else. So his resume is way better than any other people's resume. So it's if it's between him and somebody else, 
I'm giving him room. If it's between him and other religions and other kind of philosophies, I'm listening to him. You know, it's so surprising to me. Even people who reject the salvation of Jesus and say, oh, I don't really believe that Jesus is the only way. And oh, all that Christianity is just rules and all that. They'll still read books like, like rules for a better life, you know, or habits or my 10 life rules to live a happier life. And I'm like, dude, Jesus gave you like a couple rules, love God and love others and boom, but you ain't gonna listen to him. Okay, that, anyways, that, that's, a little, that's a little rant that I got. But when we, when we realize that he is Emmanuel, he is king of kings, but also that he's our savior. And when he's our savior means that not only is he saving us, that he saved us from hell, which is something amazing, but we, we recognize him every single day that we need him every single day. And when we recognize who he is, then we will make room for him. And, and I want to start wrapping up this episode. When we understand that God is our, Jesus is our savior. It's a little bit hard sometimes because we can either have pride and say, oh, Jesus, I don't need to be saved. Or we can have shame and say, God, I don't deserve to be saved. But those two are both are lies. They're both lies. You, we do need saved and Jesus paid the price to tell us how valuable we are and how much he does want to save us and how much he did. And he's giving us that gift if we want it. I want to end with Romans 5 uh, verse 6 through 8 that says this. You see, at just the right time we were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, and when you understand that in your mess, in, in all your sin, in our mistakes, Christ still died for us. He's not waiting for you to have it all together. And there's power when we make room for Jesus, not only for one room, but when we give him our own house, our whole house. There's a story about a man that heard a knock on the door and it was Jesus. And Jesus asked, hey, can I spend the night here? He said, oh, that's fine. Just pick the room in the back and just please don't bother with all my house. Then later that night, he heard a knock at the door and it was the devil. And he's like, whoa, devil, what do you want? Oh, I'm actually going to destroy your house. And he just walked in without anybody's permission. Ah, The guy opened the door, right? So he just walked in and destroyed everything. In the morning, when Jesus woke up, everything was so mess. And Jesus was like, hey, what's going on? The guy's like, dude, what are you talking about? What's going on? The owner said, I mean, didn't you see that the devil was destroying everything? Where were you, Jesus? And Jesus said, well, in, in, the, in the room you gave me. He said, that's weird. And that repeated. And then he, he even gave Jesus all the upstairs. But then the devil came and destroyed the downstairs. And the guy's like, Jesus, where were you? Oh, it says in the space that you made for me. Then he gets it and he tells Jesus, God, I give you all of that. I give you all. I make you the owner of this house. Next time the devil knocks, guess who's going to answer the door? It's Jesus. And the devil's going to say, I'm so sorry. I got the wrong address. So I want to encourage you today, not only to make room for the Savior in one area of your life, but give your entire life to the Savior. Because when you do that, you won't regret it. He's going to take you into an adventure, guys. I mean, I, he's taking me on an adventure that I can't believe I, I would ever be on. And I don't regret a single moment. So I'm going to see you in the next episode of The Andrew Romancho. Show.